Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Morning, church. Come on, let's give a real hand to our worship team. Thank you guys for blessing us. I love when we sometimes do a stripped back uh, worship set, and I can really hear uh, all the voices. You guys sounded wonderful worshiping. Um, thank you, team, for blessing us. I want to celebrate a few things uh, before I get into the message today. Who was here for reclaiming the season on Friday night? I just wanted to celebrate what God did there. I think we had around 150 women at a beautiful banquet, and it felt like a winter wonderland in here, and we heard from Debbie Winans. I say we. I was not here, but I watched online a little bit, and I heard from uh, my wife and my oldest daughter. Some of our uh, teenage girls went and just uh, were so blessed, so we're so thankful for that ministry. Um, We have our Team Appreciation Christmas Dinner this Friday, and if you are on any of our teams here, even if you're brand new on a team, like you just signed up, or you've only served once, or only been trained, or even if you've served for a season but are on a break right now, you're still invited to this dinner, and not just you, but your whole family. Snap that QR code real quick. We need you to pre-register, because we're going to be ordering all the food. We're catering it. Uh, My wife already has another special song written. I've been helping her. Just to give you a little glimpse, last year, she sang part of your world as the Little Mermaid, but changed the words. Special for our Team Appreciation Christmas Dinner. So get excited for what's happening this Friday. Also, I have an especially ugly Christmas sweater that I'm going to wear, and you guys are welcome to wear that as well if you come to that team appreciation dinner. I also want to share a little bit of vision for our 21 days of prayer, fasting, and compassion that's starting in January. Believe it or not, this is only a handful of weeks away, December 9 to 29. I want you to just build up in your heart with faith um, and join our whole church family Um, And I've challenged uh, the men in a new ministry we're doing called Brotherhood to all commit to this, and the challenge is for our whole church too. And to get real practical, I think it would be great to fast one meal every day for those 21 days, and whenever you're fasting that meal, you can just seek the Lord, you can spend time in his word, and we're going to save the money we save from that meal and give an offering at the end of the 21 days to go 100% towards a clean water project through Convoy of Hope. I'm also going to fast social media. You know, have you ever tried to just stop something that's kind of a habit in your life and then you realize how much you actually go for that phone or whatever it is for you? And what I do when I fast social media is anytime I go to look at something on my phone and I'm fasting, I remind myself not to do it and then to just seek the Lord in prayer and memorize the scripture that I'm working on. So any of the above, we encourage you to start prayerfully planning now that 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I believe God's going to move powerfully in your life and in our church. We're just inviting the work of God. And speaking of Convoy of Hope, they are one of our, one of our major compassion partners. How many here have heard of Convoy of Hope? I'm just curious. Could you raise your hand? Um, they are one of the leading disaster relief ministries in the world. Um, they also now feed almost half a million children every single day um, in underserved areas around the world, and their goal is to get that up to a million very soon. They also do ministry to empower women entrepreneurially in some of those underserved areas as well, where a lot of the men have abandoned those areas. It's really incredible work, and they are one of our partners. Today is the first Sunday of the month. I love to highlight one of our missions partners. If you have interest in learning about all of our partners and how you can pray and be a part of what we do for missions, on your way out at the welcome table, 
There's a page that says Ministries and Missions Partners Prayer Sheet 2022. It has the ministries of our church, but it also has our, our 39 missionary families and compassion partners from all around the world. You can pray for them on a daily basis, and you can give towards them, and you can become a part of any of the teams that are on here. And lastly, next Sunday and the following Sunday after that, we're collecting our Christmas offering, which is a real strategic time every year where we get to bring our best gift to the Lord. And I want to challenge you guys to prayerfully consider it. There are four initiatives this year. Debt reduction is number one. We are only $50,000 away from completely paying off this building and the immediate land right around it. Isn't that amazing? I'm believing that with this offering, we're going to completely pay that $50,000 down. That's number one. The second initiative is our recovery fund. We have an incredible ministry on Wednesday nights called Celebrate Recovery. How many of you guys have heard of that ministry? I'm kind of polling you guys right now. They do wonderful work, um, not just with like drug addiction or alcoholism, but any hurt, habit, or hang up. And really the church is meant to be like a hospital for the hurting, for the sick. And by the way, that is all of us, you know, we can all benefit from that. We are all in recovery ministry. And the thing about recovery ministry is it's not highly reciprocal, meaning it takes a lot of investment that doesn't necessarily come back. And that is beautiful because that's part of the heart of God. And so part of our Christmas offering is going to go towards funding our Celebrate Recovery ministry for the whole next year of 2023. And the third initiative is our Benevolence Fund. We do this every year, and this is the fund that allows us to sometimes provide gas for people if they're just completely out of funds, maybe groceries. Sometimes we send people to Christian counselors that we know in the area, and it's just ways for us to partner with people in our church and in our community that have need, and we vet these things, and they go through a process, and it has helped so many people throughout all of 2022, and all the funding to do that came from our Christmas offering last year. And so we're doing it again this year. And then our fourth initiative is our expansion design. So we've been entrusted here at Graceland Church with stewarding not just um, our church family and this facility and the immediate land here, but we have 135 acres of land on the corner of 65 and 840. And as this church grows, we're now expanding, I'm sorry, we're doing the design to expand this facility and add another worship center here in an L shape to master plan all the land and really to invest into work that will be a part of what God is doing in the area literally for generations to come. It is a multi-generational project and part of this offering is going towards that design work. And our goal is $120,000, which is truly a miracle number for us. The only way we reach it is if you know a vast majority of people in our church family uh, pray about it and participate. It's really not equal gifts, but it's equal sacrifice before the Lord. It's not the kind of thing that we check or follow up with you on. It's really an opportunity to invest in meaningful kingdom work that God is doing. Frequently asked questions are, when can I give? So we're collecting it next Sunday, the 11th, and the following Sunday, the 18th. It's also going to be open all the way until January 8th. The way to give, and we're not doing it today, so this will be next week, is we'll use our giving envelopes. They'll be out next week. And just uh, putting in the memo Christmas offering or on the check memo Christmas offering or online, there's a drop-down menu that says Christmas offering. And you will receive uh, giving credit with taxes if you give by December 31st. Um, no wiggle room on giving after that. Just give you a heads up on that every year. There are people who come to me on like January 1st, 2nd, or 3rd and like, if I give right now, and I'm like, nope, sorry. It counts towards the next year because um, I would go to jail if I uh, did that. So, and then, <laughs> 
And then I always remind everybody, uh, this is above and beyond all of our regular giving. So if you're a part of our family and you give regularly, thank you. Um, this, is, this has to be above and beyond that or else it messes with our general uh, budget. Thank you guys in advance uh, for giving. Uh, I'm so grateful. You know, whatever comes in and whatever God does, our posture is we trust the Lord. You know, this is his church. It's his property. It's a joy for us to be a part of this. This is, this is the opposite of like begging for funds. This is us together getting to step into the adventure of serving the Lord and be a part of what he's doing here. Let me know if you have any questions about any of the above. All of that is articulated on our website, by the way. If you go right on our homepage and click Christmas offering, you can reread all that. And uh, let me know if you have questions. I don't know about you guys, but in my home, I have uh, children right now that we are raising, and things like candy or gum or mints are a highly protected commodity in our home. It kind of goes like this. This is the unspoken rule. And I'm not saying I agree with this, but this is what happens. If you leave it out, someone will eat it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? To give you an example, I recently had a birthday, and my lovely kids and wife bought me some really... Uh, some chocolates that I love and some chips that I love that we don't normally have. And I'm not exaggerating. They got left out and within 24 hours, they were completely gone and I didn't have one bite of either of them. Not even a whiff, not a taste. And I remember when all my kids were babies, uh, I remember holding them up and just saying, you are my beloved daughter with my three girls and my beloved son with my boy and, and I, I'm so thankful you're mine. And I would say, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. And I would tell them that and just kiss them and put them down. And, 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 and now I still say, I love you. You're my beloved, but where are my chocolates? Where are my mints? It even comes into like toiletries and my daughters will borrow my wife's clothes and all kinds of things. And it's a very silly example example, but it illustrates how our love, even as parents, is an imperfect love. We make promises to those we love, and then we usually let them down in some way or another. And today we're looking at how we are actually created, all of us, hardwired for love. We are born for it. We need it. It is like air that we breathe. And scripture says that God put eternity in our hearts. So it's not just temporal love that we need. We have hearts that long for everlasting love. It's like our hearts see a vision of love so compelling and complete that it beckons us to do everything we can to find it, to give our all and wait in eager anticipation for the fulfillment of the promise. But then you and I both know that we face the world and oftentimes our expectations go unmet. Sometimes we see everything but perfect love. We experience broken family relationships. Sometimes romantic relationships are a disaster. We see brokenness all over the world, and we end up in a posture of longing. And this is what the Advent season, which means arrival, is all about. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it like this. Those who learn to wait are uneasy about their way of life but yet have seen a vision of greatness in the world of the future and are patiently expecting its fulfillment. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and who look forward to something greater to come. I wanna read from Glenn Packiam, the same quote I read last week. Advent helps us remember that we live between two arrivals. We live between the first arrival of Jesus, his birth 2,000 years ago, and his return. So we live as people of joy 
and expectation. People who have great comfort, who are full of the good news, and yet people who ache for the restoration of all things. So I hope you have experienced some measure of love in your life. I hope you've experienced some measure of the love of God in your life. And if you haven't, today I hope you will begin to step into that. But at the same time, though we've experienced this good news, we also see this incredible lack of love around us, sometimes in our own lives, and we long for perfect love to be fully revealed when God restores all things. Scripture teaches us this. He says, behold, I will make all things new. So last week, we looked at how to choose joy as we're in between these two arrivals. Today, we're looking at how to learn love. And in the next two weeks, we're gonna look at hope and peace. And we've lit the first two candles of Advent representing joy and love. We're a little bit out of order than what we normally do just because of um, how we've planned this series. But today is about learning love. And if you feel like you've done very poor in love or you've been treated very poorly in love, there's still hope for you because love is to be learned. And I wanna give you four ways to learn the love of God this Christmas. I'm talking about his perfect, everlasting love that arrived 2,000 years ago and will arrive again when Jesus returns. And we're reading out of 1 John 4, beginning with the first part of verse 7. The apostle says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. So number one, if you're following on your notes, is to really learn the love of God, learn that love does not even exist apart from God, who is love. I think this is the greatest evidence of the existence of God or the greatest apologetic, if you will. That's what the, the, the study of thinking and, and presenting evidence for the existence of God is called apologetics. I think the greatest apologetic or evidence for the existence of God is love. Think about it. You can have all the beauty and majesty of creation, the oceans, the mountains. You can even go out into the expanse of the universe, the awe and the wonder. How empty and shallow would all of it be apart from this miracle we know is love? It's meaningless. You have probably had times where you experienced a high in your life, something beautiful, or maybe you saw the most incredible sunset, or maybe you traveled somewhere, and it wasn't quite what it could have been because you weren't with someone that you loved. We want to be with those that we love. And that includes our walk with the Lord. His love, his mercy, his perfect love, everything he has for us only comes from him. He is the absolute source. You know, last week we talked about how one of the names of God is Emmanuel, which means God with us and how his name can never change. So if you feel like you've lost God, you're wrong because his name means God with us. God is love. If you feel like love is not available to you or, or God's love is not true for you like it may be for others, you're not correct about that because God is love. He is the literal source of that love and it is inexhaustible. We get exhausted and weary in our lives. We, we run dry, but the well of the everlasting love of God never goes away. I love when I get to share at wedding ceremonies. I do weddings a lot. And one of the things I share briefly is about the significance of the ring, which is a circle. It has no beginning and no end. And that's a mystery to us. And it's like the existence of God. There's no beginning to God. He was, he is, and he will be. 
Same with his love. There's no beginning to his love. There's no, there's no end to his love. It was, it is right now, and it will always be. He is the ultimate source. And then reading on in the second half of verse seven, it says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Have you ever asked that question, God, why don't you just show the world who you are? I I wrestle with God about that a lot. Why don't you just show up and let us know about your love? Well, Advent reminds us that he did. That is exactly what we are remembering. He did and he will again. That's what this Christmas season, this Advent season is all about. So number two is learn that what we celebrate during Christmas is the demonstration of God's perfect love for you. And I encourage you to remember this personally, not just this ambiguous love, he loves the whole world, which is true, but we're celebrating and remembering that he demonstrated his perfect love for you. So scripture says, while you were still a sinner, Christ came and gave his life for you. And I'm praying that you would be reinvigorated by the wonder of God's perfect love for you, that you would get just a little bit more of a glimpse. St. Augustine said, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. And we don't understand why he loves us because we know ourselves. If we're honest with ourselves, we're, we're flawed, we're broken, we're imperfect. We don't do a great job of loving others. We haven't always done a great job with what God has given us. Sometimes we're not thankful. Sometimes we just complain. Sometimes we make all the mistakes. We go back to all the habits. We, we get frustrated. We get angry. We let ourselves down all the time. And we wonder, how could God love me? Well, I like how Max Licato says it. He says, you don't influence God's love. You can't impact the treeness of a tree the skyness of the sky or the rockness of a rock, nor can you affect the love of God. He loves you because he decides to. Your emotions are not the indicator of whether God loves you or not. What fills your mind on any certain day is not the indicator. The truth is just the truth. He loves you. You can't mess that up. Isn't it good to know the most important thing in life you can't mess up? He loves you. You can't cause him to love you more or less. Then the scripture goes on to describe this love in verse 10. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So it's reminding us that the way he demonstrated this is through the gospel. Gospel just means good news. Jesus, God, in the flesh comes to us. Fully God, fully man, lives the perfect life, enters into our mess. We talked about that last week. Teaches us, reveals to us the intended way the Father wants us to live. This new kingdom paints a picture of the vision of the future to come and invites us into it and pays the way for us. Gives his life on the cross to bear upon him the weight of all of our sin, all of your sin, every single bit of it, not just the sins that you've already committed, the sins you will commit. And that doesn't give you an excuse to sin. It's just to say the work has been done. Jesus has taken upon himself all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your brokenness. This 
is the love of God. Now, here's the principle, and we, we often don't do well at this, but we, we, we need to lean into this. Learn to receive the love of God and the forgiveness of your sins. You have to learn to live in that forgiveness. You have to learn to receive. This good news, this salvation can only be received. It cannot be earned. You are not working for it. You are not trying really hard to get enough right that you can step into it. It only happens if you humble yourself and say, I need you, God, and you receive it. That's why the entry point for the kingdom of God is humility. It's confessing our need. People sometimes think that the primary part of Christianity is just like living a good life or affiliating some certain way politically or adopting a certain set of beliefs or getting enough things right on the checklist of kind of our our modern culture of Christianity. That's what Christianity is. That's the picture that we get. And sometimes that's what we live into, but that's not what it is. It's encountering the perfect love of God in Jesus and saying yes to what he's invited us to. It's receiving. It impacts all those other things I just talked about, but it's not primarily about those. We must learn to receive. If you lose touch with your need for forgiveness, you will lose touch with the greatness of his love. That's why the psalmist says, I keep my sin ever before me. I don't think that means that he's living in condemnation and he just will never be free from sin. I just think he's living honestly and saying, I remember my need for salvation. I remember my, my tendency to drift towards these sinful habits, this selfishness, this brokenness. My sin is ever before me. I need a great savior. Good news, I have a great savior. Are you guys tracking with me on this? It is about receiving, but we really do a poor job at it. And don't hear me wrong. It's not discounting the holiness of God, but it's just that the path to walking in God's holiness is not trying really hard. It's receiving his love and being transformed. That's the path. That is the only way we must learn to receive. One of my favorite authors, Brennan Manning, which by the way, if you have not read the the Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning, you should definitely pick it up. He said, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. So whatever it is you're clinging to today or trying to be or trying to measure up to, it's not the primary thing. The primary thing you've got, you're the beloved of God. But you need to remember it and receive it. Then we get this action step in verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us, It's like since God did all these amazing things, since God lavishes his love on us, gives us this good news, makes a way for our salvation, we also ought to love one another. One of the leaders of Convoy of Hope that I was with this past week was talking about feeding all these children and how they they give all these tens of millions of dollars, they raise it and they do all all this work all over the world. And he said he has to remind people and himself all the time, we don't feed hungry children so that they will meet Jesus, though that's great. We feed hungry children because we've met Jesus, right? It's a shift. We, when we encounter Jesus and receive this great salvation, it immediately, it begins to want to pour through us to others. 
That's why this, this scripture that we're gonna look at right now, this point is so important. And here's what it is. Learn to live in the completeness of God's love through loving one another. Jesus said, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, there's three factors in that. There's the love of God, there's the love of self, and there's the love of neighbor. And we're not talking about the kind of love of self that is selfish in orientation. We're not talking about the sinful love of self. We're talking about the acceptance of who God says we are. Have you guys realized that so many of us live with this disdain towards ourself? Sometimes this hatred towards ourself. And when you live like that, and when that's the song you're listening to being sung over you, which is not from God, it's very hard to love someone else. It's very hard to be of any good in this world because we are so down on ourselves. But receiving God's love reorients. It allows us to not only forgive others, but forgive ourselves. I'm praying that you will love who God made you to be. I'm praying you will be completely settled and comfortable in your skin. There is nothing to prove and no one to impress. You are God's beloved. And the more we can lean into that, the more we are living into this great commandment and we can begin to love others. The scripture actually says in verse 12, look at this. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So this is telling us we do not experience this completeness of love apart from loving one another. And let's just start with those that are closest to us. You guys know as well as I do, sometimes the hardest people to love consistently are the ones that we're living our lives with on a daily basis. Anybody with me? Don't look at your neighbor. This happens all the time in marriage counseling, and it doesn't just apply to people who are married, but when couples are wrestling with things and frustrated each other, which always happens, and when couples hurt each other, which always happens, at some point you are reminded, oh, my love for you is specifically, and even more importantly, for when you don't deserve it. That's this love of God that is meant to come through us, and not just in marriage, But if we want to know the completeness of God's love, we offer free love to those who do not deserve it. Now, don't hear me wrong. It doesn't mean we allow ourselves to be hurt and abused. I'm not saying you stay in abusive things or if you have a toxic friendship that you stay there. But if you don't offer love and forgiveness to them, you're you're pinned up for the rest of your life. It's like God invites us into this higher realm where we are free And we actually can love ourselves because we love him and we can forgive ourselves. We trust this message and we can love and forgive everyone around us, including our enemies, even those who set themselves up against us. Jesus says the actual love of God is about enemy love. Martin Luther King Jr. said, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And again, it's not discounting truth. It's not discounting the need for things to change, but it's talking about what's in your heart. If you want to be free, if you want to be seated in heavenly places with Christ and almost like not be bothered by the pettiness around us at times, you can be. And you start by fully receiving his love and then letting it flow through you. The reason we're supernaturally able to do that is because we realize he's forgiven us. Therefore, we can forgive others. 
So the re- that was the cutest little baby noise. Oh, my goodness. That little baby right there, if it was possible, would cause me to have another baby. I'm already dreaming of grandkids. My children, that doesn't mean start soon. I, I, I'm already, my youngest is four, and I'm already like, oh, I'm done with baby season. And now I understand why everybody starts thinking about being, being grandkids. So in God's time, that's my next chance to hold, hold a little baby. So um, I'm going down the rabbit trail right now. Cause... <laughs> to recap, love only exists because God is love. Let's be reminded. God loves you perfectly and shows this through Jesus. God offers you forgiveness and new mercy today. And God's love is made complete in you as you love others. Rick Warren said, you were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. If life doesn't make sense to you right now, you might just need to dial it back and say, wait a second, I'm made by God and for God. And he will reframe and reshape this whole situation. And my life can come back into focus. So two practical questions I want to ask you. And then we're going to close with a story and some worship and response to God. How would you live today if you knew you were perfectly loved and completely secure? Just imagine it. If you were living as one perfectly loved, what would change? What thoughts would change? What in your speech would change? How would your decision-making and planning change? If you were completely secure in this perfect love. And then a follow-up is how would you live today if you knew everyone around you was perfectly loved by God and needed that to be expressed to them. My 10-year-old Kenzie is in the service today. My kids, um, because they're here all morning, my wife is our uh, kids director. She's with our elementary kids right now upstairs. So they're usually here all morning with us. So usually for one service, they go uh, to the kids ministry. And then for one service, they sit in here. And my 10-year-old is in here today. Her name is Kenzie. And I was driving her to school a couple weeks ago. And I decided to put on this artist that I've grown up with who I love named Stephen Curtis Chapman. You guys know him? Yeah. I feel like Stephen Curtis and I are going to be best friends one day. I haven't met him yet. But if anyone knows him, let me know. I could use an introduction. I've loved his music my whole life. My parents listen to him. And it's not even as much about his music per se as it is his heart for the Lord that comes through it. And it's just affected me my whole life. So I know all his music. And there's this song, I think it's off the album, Heaven in the Real World, and this is a deep cut, and the song is called Treasure, and the chorus says, you are a treasure worth more than anything under the sun or the moon. God's greatest treasure is you. And I can't tell you how many times I've blasted that song in my car and just sang it at the top of my lungs for a number of reasons, to receive it myself, to remember God is singing that song over me, but also to sing it over others and to pray and intercede. And I, this particular morning, I was thinking of my 10-year-old, and I was reminded of this incredible task that I have as her father to be one of the primary voices in her life that hopefully demonstrates that love, right? Not my perfect love, but the father's perfect love. And so I put that song on, and I asked her permission to share this in this story. I cranked it up, and I was like, I'm just going to sing this song over my daughter on her way to school. And so I grabbed her hand. This is so corny. I grabbed her hand, and I, I, when the chorus came on, I just started singing with it. You are a treasure worth more than anything under the sun or the moon. God's greatest treasure is you. And I, I sang the verses and the whole thing. And I'm telling you, I don't know if she remembers it quite like this, but I think she does. 
We just sensed the presence of God. She began, I'm sorry to say this, to cry. I did too. She's like, did I? She did. And, and we were just enjoying, here's my point. We were enjoying the song that God is singing over us. We are the treasures of God. And I want you to dial in just a little bit to that song today. Not that specific Stephen Curtis Chapman song. doesn't matter if you love or hate that song. I'm talking about the song of your father. He actually says you are his treasure. You are worth more than anything under the sun or the moon. His greatest treasure is you. And if we could just get a little glimpse of that, everything can change in our life. Everything can come back into a little bit more of focus. Lord, if anyone here doesn't know you yet and they just want to pray to put their faith in you, to say yes to this invitation, I pray they'll just pray it in their heart. Lord, I want to know you. I want to follow you, Jesus. I've tried so many other ways, but I want to go your way. Forgive me for where I have fallen short. I receive new life, a new mind, a new heart, a new plan, a new kingdom, a new spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill me with love, joy, and peace. I want to know you, God, and I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name. Help every person here with whatever you're saying to them, God, to say yes and to walk in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to pray this benediction. For those of you guys that are coming to Newcomers Connect, uh, right after we're done, we'll head right through this little hallway, right up the stairs. There's food up there. There's drinks. There's coffee. A lot of you signed up. Even if you didn't sign up, um, there's some space. You can just show up if you want to. It's only 30 minutes long. You get to some information, some gifts, hear about the heart of our church and uh, how you can get connected. So let me pray this benediction and we'll be dismissed. Clay, you want to come up here with me while I do this? I can't remember. My four-year-old is in this service today with Novi. It's okay. You want to you pray this with me, Clay? Come on up, buddy. At this age, they're almost always in. You got your snack with you? Will you pray with me for everybody? Okay. Yeah. Yes? All right, let's pray for everybody. Go now in the freedom of the gospel of Christ. Encourage one another to lead lives worthy of God and walk together in service and humility. Let your words and your lives be one in Christ. And may the God of lasting love open the way before you. May Jesus the Messiah be your instructor. And may the Holy Spirit lead you on into the promised land of God's kingdom and glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Have a great afternoon.